You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. So good to see you all. My name's Steve. I'm one of the lead pastors here. And uh, I have been waiting weeks to give this message since my sabbatical this past summer. I was gone for about eight weeks. And, um, and I, I felt like God kind of downloaded some things to me. But you're all going to be glad that, I, that we waited this long for me to tell you the stories because of what God did in the, in the, in the meantime after I got home uh, until now. And, uh, and so I want to tell you some stories. So really a story. Um, so I, we had planned my sabbatical um, around um, a couple of different things, one of which was the six-year anniversary of my oldest son's death, Chase. He died six years ago in a car accident on June 16th. And so I planned on being, uh, taking a solo motorcycle ride to the Grand Canyon. And on June 15th, I arrived at Bryce Canyon National Park. Um, beautiful, beautiful park. And I uh, um, camped there, and then the morning of the 16th, um, I got up really early um, to go see the sunrise. There's a place on Bryce Canyon called Sunrise Point. And uh, I was so, I was, I had so much expectation leading up to this moment, even before I went on sabbatical, of God doing something fresh. Like, out of nowhere, just speaking to my heart, just the de- something really deep and meaningful because of the deepness of the pain that I, that I still experience over the loss of Chase. And so I was just like, I just want, I just, I just knew, I knew God was going to do something powerful um, on the 16th of June. And I was going to be at Bryce Canyon and then the Grand Canyon later that night. And so, so I got up early um, to hit the sunrise, go to Sunrise Point, and I'm, I'm standing there, you know, waiting. <laughs> You know, God do something. You know, sun comes up; it's beautiful. Um, it's, but I'm just waiting. God do something. Nothing. I'm sitting, standing, I'm just waiting. I'm like, <laughs> the sun's up by now, and I'm like, okay, God. And I hear this just a just a simple phrase from God: Is Jesus not enough? Is my Holy Spirit not enough? <laughs> and I'm like. Well, yeah, yeah uh, of course. Of course they are. They're enough, but God, I want, I didn't want to say it out loud, I just, but I wanted something more. I did. I mean, I wanted, I wanted something that was more tangible. Does this resonate with anybody? Have you ever... And so I left, I left, and then, and then you know, I went, and then I rode to the North Rim, of the Grand Canyon that day, and so I'm there on sunset, and I'm waiting. God, it's still the 16th. <laughs> if you weren't aware, God, on my timeline, it's still the 16th. You still can do something, and I, and all I get is a puff of wind off the canyon, and this phrase again comes to mind: "Is Jesus not enough?" I was so disappointed. I really was. I, I've told this story. Of, dozen times to different people since I've been back and I just I I get to this point I'm like I was was so disappointed I was like God why you know sometimes knowing God um, can prevent bad things from happening and it causes us to expect that he should prevent bad things from happening and when he doesn't prevent bad things from happening we experience disappointment which by the way is a nice way of saying we experience anger. I was upset. I was a little bit angry. 
And have any of you, I imagine many of you have felt some kind of disappointment, anger, frustration, a sense of rejection even by what God doesn't do or how you expect him to do something and he doesn't do that. Um, I'm sure all of us have experienced some level of this in our lives. And one of the things I love about the Bible is that it, it expresses um, all of these different emotions and and feelings about, about and toward God and, you know, depression, frustration, um, anger, all of these things are show up in the, in the, in the Psalms, joy and hope as well. It's not just all, um, doom and gloom, right? But I, I was led to Psalm 13 where David writes these words. Um, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? Have you ever thought that? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. So this is kind of how I felt and how long, O oh Lord? And then, and then I was thinking about the story of Thomas. I love the story of Thomas. You might, you might recognize him as Doubting Thomas. That's what most of us know him by. Because he doubted the resurrection of Jesus. He, he, uh, he wasn't sure. All of his friends were saying, hey, Jesus is risen from the dead. He's like, yeah, unless I see him. I want to see the scars, bro. I want to see him. I want to see him. Then I'll know. And then I'll believe. And, and, you know, and it's so amazing that um, Jesus does that for him. I just think that's so awesome that Jesus actually shows up and to Thomas personally and shows him, tells him, hey, put your fingers here and on my side, my, see my hands. Believe, Thomas, don't, don't disbelieve, believe. And then in verse 28, it says, Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God, once he saw Jesus. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? And then, and then he says something that's been a life verse for me, actually. Since I was very young, this was a verse that God gave me. I was like, I held on to this. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's been a life verse for me. And so what I, what I knew from a very young age is that um, I wasn't going to need signs of God's presence, a manifestation of his, of his goodness. Um, I didn't, wasn't going to see miracles in order to believe, and I haven't. And, and that's fine. <laughs> but I want to see. I've always wanted to see. I've wanted to see the miraculous. I've wanted to see God's hand move. I've wanted to see a manifestation of his presence. And so... If I had shared this message with you back in August when I got over my sabbatical, this is where the message would have ended. It would have been like, it's okay. God doesn't always manifest his presence in the way that we want. And sometimes a life of faith is simply taking the little things that we have and, and walking that out. And that would have been a good message. I would have, you know, spiced it up just a little bit. You know, made it like entertaining for you all, you know, whatever. But it, that's how I felt after I got back from sabbatical. I felt just like, you know, it's like, I guess this is my relationship with God. <laughs> but then I, I, I kind of dug back into this Thomas passage in John 20. I realized, wait, just because 
Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, doesn't mean that they won't see. It just means that they don't need to see in order to believe, but that doesn't mean they won't see. Why do I believe that? Because look at verse 30. Right after Jesus says this, John writes these words. Now Jesus did many other signs. Why did I never see this? Nobody told me. In the presence of the disciples. He did, he did actually work miracles after this moment with Thomas. And then, and then John says, these are the signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may what? <laughs> Believe. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I don't need a sign to believe, but that doesn't mean, one, God isn't going to give signs, and two, that there aren't people who do need a sign to believe. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Isn't God so generous? Seriously, like, I mean, it's just amazing that after this conversation with Thomas, that he goes out and does even more miracles, it's not even written in the book. I mean, we, there's so much stuff that he does do for us, and yet so often we don't have eyes to see what he's actually doing. And then I thought about this generation. You know, I've, I've read all the stats, you know, churches are in decline, and, and more and more of the young people are just tapping out, and they're not even going to give church a chance and God a chance. and all that. I've seen all the stats, and I realized something, that this generation needs a sign in order to believe. And that's not somehow disparaging of this generation, because we know from the Bible that this is, this is one of the primary reasons Jesus worked miracles was so that it, was, it would help people to believe that he is the son of God. And this generation needs a sign. They need to see the manifestation of Jesus' presence in tangible, real ways. And Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit are all that we need in order to see. He is enough. And how often do we miss what God is actually doing because we're distracted by what we think he should do, we're disappointed by what he didn't do, that we miss what he's actually doing. Thomas, you know, Thomas was disappointed uh, because his view of God revolved around a nationalistic renewal of the Jewish nation. That's what he thought the Messiah, Jesus, would do. And when Jesus didn't do that, matter of fact, got nailed on a cross, he was so disappointed, he wasn't able to see the resurrection right away. I left Bryce Canyon with a simple truth from God that everything you need is available to you. But do I have eyes to see it? Everything that you need is available to you, but do you have eyes to see it? Now, every time I've told this story of my sabbatical, this journey to Bryce Canyon in the, in the north room of the Grand Canyon, um, I've told it a few, few times. I've left out certain parts. Not, not because I've forgotten them, um, but just because I didn't think they were relevant to the story. <laughs> and then uh, about two and a half weeks ago, I told Jim Stevens the first time everything I'm about to tell you, and then I told my wife after that, and I was just started to laugh. And you're gonna you're gonna laugh when I tell you the whole story of that day. I left out a few parts because I thought they were unrelated, and you're gonna find it comical. I want to give you permission to laugh at me. You're going to be shocked at the things that I missed 
on that significant day. Matter of fact, it reminds me of, a, of an old story, a joke that my father-in-law used to say when he was preaching, when he was pastoring a church, that there was a story of a guy who got caught in a flood and this rescue worker came by his house and, you know, can I help you? And the guy was like, no, 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 no. God is going to deliver me. The guy was like, okay. <laughs> you know, the, a boat came by. I mean, the floodwaters are rising and they say, hey, can I help you? No, God, God is going to help me. He's going to deliver me. He's going to come through for me. Then <laughs> the helicopter comes. You know the end of the story. He dies. He ends up in heaven. And he's like, God, why didn't you show up? He's like, dude, I was like, I brought, I sent a rescue worker, a boat, and a helicopter. What else do you need? Anyways, that's how I feel. Because disappointment and false expectations can blind us to see what's actually in front of us. All right, here's the real story. Not the real story. I gave you the real story before. That's how I felt about it. But here's what really happened. All of that happened. I got up early, 4.30 in the morning, and I'm walking to Sunrise Point, and this is what I see. It's pitch dark outside, except for the full moon shining right at me on the pathway from my campsite to Sunrise Point. It's like God, it's like God if I had eyes to see, I would be like God is going, I'm showing you something. I've, I've lit your path. <laughs> There's more to see. Keep walking. So I keep walking, and I get up to Sunrise Point, and um, as, I've, as I'm approaching Sunrise Point, I hear something. <laughs> I hear music. I'm not making any of this up. I hear music. I'm like, music? It's like 4.45 in the morning. I get up there, and there's nobody on Sunrise Point. But from somewhere, I can't even see them. Someone's playing a flute. <laughs> it's beautiful. I'm serious. It's like amazing. I'm like, where? And so I kind of walk around. I see this guy over by the edge of the cliff playing a flute. And I'm like, huh. God, I really need a sign from you. I mean... <laughs> Seriously, I just thought that was fascinating. And that's about as far as it went. <laughs> I'm, like, oh man, you know? I'm like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? You know, it's beautiful. And then I, I end up on the, that's, that's, that's before the sun comes up. And it's just Bryce Canyon, it's on Sunrise Point. It's beautiful. And then the sun begins to come up and the sun, and it begins to point through this, these mountaintops. We have a little video of the sunrise there. And it's just And I'm acknowledging it. Look, I took a video. <laughs> God, just consistently like, Steve, I'm here. I'm with you. Do you see me? Do you see me in the well-lit path? Do you see me in the music around you? Do you see me? In the sunrise. <laughs> so I go to the North Rim, missing all of that. I'm not done yet. It's not done yet. I go to the edge of the Grand Canyon. As the sun is beginning to set, find the spot on the edge, and I uh, just keep praying, asking God to give me a sign. Show me your presence. <laughs> yeah, it's comical. 
I feel the presence of someone walk up behind me. Uh, I, I have this thought, it kind of shoots through my head. Hebrews 13, 2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. It, it's, a, it's a kind of a fleeting thought that, who's behind me? <laughs> what if? And then that goes quickly past and my personality and our culture and everything else kind of sweeps back in and like, well, it's just probably somebody waiting for my spot. As if there's not a hundred other spots on the Grand Canyon. I sit there for another minute. I'm not going to give up my spot too quickly. And, And I get up and I look up at her and it's an older lady. We smile. And I walk right past her. Wondering, huh, what if? It might have just been an old lady (laughs) standing there, you know? But there was something blocking my willingness to open myself up to the unexpected, to relationships, to conversations with actual human beings or maybe angels, never can be sure. That I closed myself off to what God actually wanted to do all that day. (laughs) I'm not done. So I get back to my campsite I've missed so many moments. And I'm going to just read a chapter of Lord of the Rings and go into my tent and call it a day. So I, so I do. I pull, out, I pull out my book and I begin to read. The, guy, the camp next to me, a guy over there just comes over. Just I didn't invite him, but he comes over. He says, hey, um, hey, would you like to have a drink with me and my friends? We're just sitting over here at campfire, you know. I'm just going to read a chapter and go to bed. <laughs> now, you all might be thinking, and this is one of our pastors? But I want to tell you, I don't feel, I'm a little embarrassed, I guess I could say, because, you know, of just like, bam, 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 missing so many things, but I don't feel any condemnation or shame or guilt I don't. I feel. I think. What I feel like. What Thomas probably felt like after he, he didn't feel. He didn't feel condemned by Jesus. You know what? I think he felt, and I think he felt this way because this is how I felt. Even after I've recounted all of these things to all of you and to those in my life, I, I feel loved. I feel loved. Not because I missed all those moments, but because I, I, I could look back and go like, oh, God was there. And God was probably there in the flute player. God was probably in the sunrise. God was probably in the woman standing behind me. God was probably, God was, and I'm like, God, man, he's like, he loves me so much to give me all of those moments, those opportunities. He loves you so much. But I was blinded by my preconceived idea, right, of who, of what God could do, what he should do, what he would do. And I missed what he 
did do. David finished this psalm in Psalm 13 by writing these words, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I am reminded that God is enough. Jesus is enough. The Spirit is enough. I'm reminded how much God loves me, is patient with me, is constantly working on my behalf, is giving me every opportunity to experience his signs and wonders in this day and in this generation. And God, would you give us eyes to see what you're doing? Would you remove the distractions that, that are keeping us uh, unable to see your, the actual move of your presence? Would you help us to lay down preconceived ideas of how you're going to move in America and what is this going to look like? Would you help me just to see what you want to do in this moment, today, in whatever relationships with neighbors and people that you run into, strangers or not, would you give me eyes to see? We're going to take communion in just a moment. And as we do, before we do, we're going to sing a song. And as, as the song is sung over us, would you simply ask Jesus to open your eyes to see. It's hard for the disciples to see that the crucifixion was the answer to their prayers. It was a sign to them of God's love for them. They had a hard time seeing it as for what it, what it, what it was, their redemption. Would you close your eyes with me for a moment? And if you feel comfortable doing this, would you simply put your hands on your eyes with me? And pray this prayer, Jesus, open my eyes. Help me to see. Help me to see your goodness. Help me to see your spirit. Help me to see the manifestation of your presence in my life. 